Our trip around the NFL continues. This time we jump to the AFC and we cover the AFC North. We'll get to it in just a sec. It's the 414 Sports Podcast. Let's go. But instead, it's the 414 Sports Podcast, and it starts right now. Welcome in once again. This is the 414 Sports Podcast. I'm Don Wachillis. Thank you so much, as always, for logging in and listening, whether you've done so on Spotify, Google, or Apple, or any of the other five platforms we currently reside on. As always, we're glad to have you on board. Hit that subscribe button, the like button, whatever it is that's sitting below. We would definitely appreciate it. So we've covered the NFC, and now we jump over to the American Football Conference, and we're going to start in the AFC with the AFC North, which could be one of the best, if not interesting, conferences in all of football. Now, the NFC East that we wrap things up with on that particular conference is interesting, but in a different way. In the AFC North, You have questions that need to be answered. You have the representative from the AFC in last year's Super Bowl and a ton of questions going into this upcoming season. You've got the Steelers and the Cleveland Browns with new quarterbacks. You've got, as I said, the Cincinnati Bengals, the defending AFC champions, and the hangover is real when we're talking about trying to repeat as Super Bowl contenders. And then there's the whole Lamar Jackson angle with the Baltimore Ravens, who still has yet to figure out at the time of us putting this podcast together, his contract situation. So unlike the role reversal we did with the NFC East, we're getting back into format and we're going to cover the teams in order that we feel like will be first, second, third and fourth. In this case, this year, I think the winners of the AFC North will be the aforementioned Baltimore Ravens. Now, the Baltimore Ravens granted traded Marquise Brown to the Arizona Cardinals. That kind of set Lamar Jackson oh, back a step or two because they were tight on that ball club. But I think the Ravens are going to figure out A, how to settle their business differences with Lamar Jackson. And I think once that gets settled, and I think that'll be settled probably by the last week of training camp, if not earlier. Now, again, we're putting this episode together at a time where there has been no news on the contract. So obviously, if the contract is broken, uh, you're going to read up on that. But I think that will take care of things. And I think one thing that Lamar Jackson is bent on proving this season is that he is the caliber of quarterback that some believe he is and some question. So there's been questions with regards 
to Lamar Jackson. There was actually an article written, you know, where they do the anonymous things and they go through uh, the various football teams and ask coaches and coordinators about what their thoughts are on the team, on the quarterback, and so forth. And you had a lot of glowing remarks when it came to Lamar Jackson, but of course, people in the media will focus in on the one negative comment. And there was one negative comment by a defensive coordinator within the AFC who essentially felt as if he's not going to be, for lack of a better way of saying it, afraid of Lamar Jackson if it comes into a passing situation. He was not very impressed with Lamar Jackson's accuracy. These are the kinds of things I think the former MVP is looking to overcome. Now, that can be a detriment sometimes because you end up playing out of your element, so to speak. But Lamar Jackson has just too much talent and great coaching in Baltimore to allow something like that to happen. So with that, I think it will be a bust-out season for Lamar Jackson, especially in a conference where, as I noted, you have two teams that haven't figured out their quarterback situation yet, and you have the defending AFC champs, but that Super Bowl hangover, as I've said just a few minutes ago, it's real. So I'm going to take the Baltimore Ravens. Now, one of the things that gets consistently reported coming out of Baltimore, not like maybe what you hear out of Green Bay, where everybody is bent on, can we get some more receivers? In Baltimore, Lamar Jackson will simply say offensive line. Like, there can't be enough offensive linemen. So the offensive line is going to be something that will be scrutinized, and it will be something that we'll see whether or not the depth is there to do exactly what they need in order to spring, I'll say, Lamar Jackson out of the depths of the naysayers. I really think this this entire season for the Baltimore Ravens, they're solid at a lot of positions. Harbaugh has proved to be a really good coach in that Baltimore system, that program, the culture. This, to me, all borders on the play of Lamar Jackson, which, you know, we always say the quarterback gets too much credit and way too much blame. But going into this season, it's it's going to be he either helps that team ascend, like I think he will, or he's going to get a lot of criticism because the team did not play up to speed. So we'll get into teams two, three, and four in just a moment, and we'll do so after this quick timeout. All right, so as we continue our trip through the AFC North, next up for us here at 414 Sports will be the defending AFC champs, and that is the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't expect a lot of, shall we say, downside to this team. Their defensive side of the ball is about as solid as it can be. Maybe for the exception of Jesse Bates, as he continues to figure out the whole contract side of it, the, uh, of course, the business side of the game defensively, I think Cincinnati is fine. 
I think Joe Burrow and the offense are fine. The problem is you're coming off of a Super Bowl run. Now, there's a couple of elements that come into play with that. Number one, you played a few extra games. Your season went much later than everybody else. The amount of rest that you incur isn't the same. And secondly, where is your focus? Teams that win Super Bowls, teams that go to Super Bowls, notoriously fall off a little bit the year after because you got a little swagger about you, but sometimes that swagger can be in detriment as far as preparation and just the week-to-week things, the intricacies that go into playing in the NFL. So I, I think this is going to be more of a year for Zach Taylor, the head coach, and what he'll be able to do as far as getting that team ready. Can he get that team where it needs to be? That will be the question. Those question marks is why I put the Cincinnati Bengals at number two. Coming in at number three, give me the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers will be a bit of a surprise. Obviously, Mike Tomlin can coach the heck out of a football team. He has shown himself time and time again to be an unbelievable leader and head coach. And with that, I think he'll get that team into a third-place position. Now, obviously, they'll begin the year with Mitchell Trubisky at quarterback. I think you're going to see a little bit more out of Mitchell Trubisky than at any point – the Chicago Bears saw when he was drafted and became their starting quarterback. So Mitchell Trubisky will get this team up and running, but at some point they're going to hand it over to Kenny Pickett, who they took in the first round. So Kenny Pickett at some point this season will, I think, assume the helm unless Mitchell Trubisky has the team playing adequately. And I say adequately, they don't have to be terribly successful because you don't want to rush Kenny Pickett into situations that will hamper his growth into what the Pittsburgh Steelers believe Kenny Pickett can do for that ball club in the future. So if Mitchell Trubisky can play a bit above what he has done in the past, and he hasn't necessarily been terrible. He wasn't terrible with the Chicago Bears. He wasn't great. Maybe not necessarily did he live up to his first-round draft choice slot in which the Bears took him, but I don't believe Mitchell Trubisky was terrible. Mitchell Trubisky was stuck with a coaching staff and a culture that didn't jive. And we talked about the Chicago Bears when we kicked this whole tour off with the NFC North. The culture right now in Chicago is a hot mess, and Mitchell Trubisky got thrown into the middle of it. Now with a few years under his belt, a few years as a backup in Buffalo where the pressure was off a little bit. You got a few more years to observe and watch how things can get done and done successfully. I think Trubisky will be just fine. There's going to be some questions with the Pittsburgh Steelers with regards to their offensive line. We'll see how that plays, and we'll also see how the wide receiving core rotates with the fact that Juju Smith-Schuster, he says five times fast, is no longer on the team. So you have like Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, you have a couple of guys there 
along with George Pickens and Calvin Austin III, who are more than capable of filling the shoes of Juju Smith-Schuster. I had to go slow that time. I didn't want to botch that up once again. So we'll, we'll see how the receiving core plays out. We'll see how the interior line plays out for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But I really think Mitchell Trubisky will have this team right around 500. And I don't think anybody else could have imagined much better in the quarterback transitioning phase that they're in. And at the bottom, I'll take the Cleveland Browns. I don't think the Cleveland Browns are going to have much success moving forward with the re- with regards to the whole quarterback thing. It almost feels as if the entire division more than others is foundationally set in and around the quarterback spot. They gave up a ton of money to get Deshaun Watson. Now I'll say this one more time. At the time we're putting this episode together, a decision has not been made on Deshaun Watson. Regardless of what the decision is, I think it's fair that there are going to be a number of games, appeal or not, that he will not play. And you gave Deshaun Watson guaranteed money at right around 240 plus mil. There's something ineffective about the culture right now with the Cleveland Browns. And I've said culture time and time again. You can put all of the talent you want on the field. But if the culture isn't right from the top down, you're going to have issues. It's the culture with the Washington Commanders that give me trepidation about whether or not they can truly surpass the Dallas Cowboys or the Philadelphia Eagles and win the NFC East because you have ownership that has put in place a culture that is toxic. Now you look at the Cleveland Browns and the fact that they went after a player like Deshaun Watson, that they put all their eggs into a basket of a young man right now who is experiencing some pretty significant criminal issues, some alleged criminality that is going to set his ability to get back on the field back. A little redundancy there. But because the quarterback issue is going to continue to come into play with Cleveland, I just I I don't know how the Cleveland Browns in a division with Baltimore, in a division with the uh, Cincinnati Bengals and the Pittsburgh Steelers, I don't see how they find themselves out of the basement, even with all the talent that they have, even with a coach who has done more than an admirable job. I just think right now the situation surrounding the Cleveland Browns is one that they won't be able to overcome. So let's recap what we believe the AFC North will look like. We'll take the Baltimore Ravens at number one. We'll take the Cincinnati Bengals at number two. We'll take the Pittsburgh Steelers at three. And sitting there at the bottom, we'll take the Cleveland Browns. Our tour around the NFL continues. On the next episode, we'll head to the AFC West and take a peek at those four teams. And we'll do so, as I noted, on 
the next episode. Thanks again for joining us here on the 414 Sports Podcast as we make our way around the NFL. I'm Don Wachillis. Take care of yourselves. Watch out for one another. We'll talk to you soon. (laughs) 